trippy dream where this cat was driving me around in an old convertible the whole time around L.A. Later on, it turned into a VW van, and near the end, it was more like this spaceship kind of thing. We were high up, looking over the road. But the front console was shaped like a van, and it still had the convertible top. The guy who was driving me around was an older dude, an old hipster with a scratchy voice, kind of like Joe Wall sings. But he kind of had some of that vibe and energy of Dennis Hopper and Easy Rider. Yeah, like if you can imagine a cross between Joe Walsh and Dennis Hopper. That's the dude who was driving me. We were heading due north on the PCH, coming up to the big stoplight where Sunset Boulevard ends. We were going to head out past there towards Malibu, maybe circle up through Topanga Canyon, and come back through the valley. The light was beautiful in the dream, with all that nice washed out orange from the pollution. So I had this happy feeling in my stomach, but also like this scared feeling, like something was going to happen, but I didn't know what. Anyhow, as we were approaching the light at sunset, all of a sudden this cat in a sports car came out of nowhere and just cut us off. My man slammed on the brakes and narrowly averted a mashup. Got my blood boiling, but, you know, I wasn't the one driving. <laughs> Yeah, but maybe like that crazy dude in the other car was me as well. 
All those people are just a composite of my own shit. All different parts of me. Like you've got this one part of you that watches out for you and keeps you steady. You've got this other part that's raging and full of anger. And those two are vying for your attention, like old Joe and that crazy dude in the dream. And there's just you and you're listening to both of these voices. But they're all a part of you. Watch out, he'll bite your ass hard. So you need old Joe there to set you straight. Joe knows about the dragon. Because Joe and the dragon are both part of you. So you don't try to kill the dragon. You know, the dragon's where you get all that voodoo shit from. That's where you get your power from. You don't want to snuff him out. You want to tame him. You want to actually make friends with him and harness his power so you can use it. Welcome to the goddamn bricks in the wall. I am your host, Juan, a.k.a. John, a.k.a. Trippy Shaman. To my right, I have Neo-ass-looking Drew. I got Daddy Yankee-looking-ass Chris. And Petey Pete over here. <laughs> so, welcome. We're back. We're doing another one today, right after yesterday. So, we figured out since we're new, we might as well start pumping out a lot of content so y'all can stick with us and watch us grow. Or not. Shit, I'm out of breath. I was running just now. Okay, so today we're coming at y'all. That song was Taming the Dragon, and it's by um, Brad Mel Dow. And that's the song that I discovered one night. I was tripping, and on Spotify, I put the Discover tab, and it threw the song at me, and I was like, oh shit, I'm vibing with this song. It makes me think about how that idea of reincarnation, how we're all supposedly one being, and we split ourselves up into become all these types of humans. To look back at each other and see the differences being expressed through each one of us. So um, I had my, my, my boy uh, Drew here earlier. He was talking about... What were we talking about? Um, well, fuck it. I don't even know what we were talking about. But, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, with this video. But first, actually, I want to start off with... Today was actually an ugly day. It was rainy. Um, and um, so I was driving earlier. Me and my daughter were in the car and we were driving around. And I said, man, doesn't it suck that it's raining, mamas? And we can't go outside to play. And she goes, yeah, that's true, but at least the plants get water. Because I always tell her that even though it rains, uh, it's good for the plants. So she was like, yeah, at least it's good for the plants. I was like, yeah, that's true. I mean, for everything that seems that it's going bad for you, it's probably going good for somebody else. And um, so, yeah, I had actually read this one poem about this. About this. It's about... um. It's a Chinese proverb, and I'll, I'll read it real quick. It goes, it's called, maybe so, maybe not. We'll see. And it goes like this. A farmer and his son had a beloved stallion who helped the family earn a living. One day, the horse ran away with their neighbors, and their neighbors exclaimed, your horse ran away. What a terrible luck. The farmer replied, maybe so, maybe not. We'll see. A few days later, the horse returned home, leading a few wild mares back to the farm as well. The neighbors shouted, your horse has returned and brought several horses home with him. 
What great luck. The farmer replied, maybe so, maybe not. We'll see. Later that week, the farmer's son was trying to break one of the mares, and she threw him to the ground, breaking his leg. The villagers cried, your son broke his leg. What terrible luck. The farmer replied, maybe so, maybe not. We'll see. A few weeks after that, soldiers from the National Army marched through town, recruiting all the able-bodied boys for the army. They did not take the farmer's son. Still recovering from his broken leg, his friends shouted, Your boy is spared. What, trend, what tremendous luck. To which the farmer replied, Maybe so, maybe not. The moral of the story is, of course, that no event in and of, in of itself can truly be judged as good or bad, lucky or unlucky, fortunate or unfortunate, but that only time will tell the whole story. Additionally, no one really lives long enough to find out the whole story, so it could be considered a great waste of time to judge minor inconveniences as misfortunes or to invest tons of energy into things that look outstanding on the surface but may not pay off in the end. But yeah, that's what, that's what I thought about when my daughter told me that. It sucks for us that it's raining, but the plants are, are, are getting that energy and they're growing. So, so yeah, that's what it makes me think of that. Don't judge something that seems bad for you at the moment as a terrible, as a terrible thing, because you don't know maybe that's setting the stage for something better that's going to come in the future. So that's just something I wanted to say. What do you think, Drew? I, I like the, the moral of that poem. And not only for the plants, but other people who don't have access to to water uh-huh. um, it's water for them yeah. rain uh, and other purposes other reasons that it can make somebody else's day mm-hmm. uh, maybe uh, someone's house is on fire mm-hmm. and the rain helps put it away mm-hmm. and you're over here like shit I'm getting wet I'm supposed to go to this appointment and I'm just ruining my day mm-hmm. like, don't judge it from your subjective point of view try to see the whole grand picture mm-hmm like that idea. Um, the story is real interesting. And um, I think it goes back to what we were talking about last time about like karma and how like the universe kind of balanced like things out. Mm-hmm. And you never know like, or it's really, it's hard to put a judgment on something that you don't really know what the outcome really is going to be, you know? Mm-hmm. And what how that farm was, was going or around with these problems that came up to him. Um... But just saying, you know, we never know. We yeah. don't know if it's gonna what, what that what's gonna mean. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. pretty much he that he's using no ego, mm-hmm. and he's not having like he's not letting like his emotions get to him or his ego get to him and be like, oh man, yeah, that happened. Be upset about it. He's just like, you ever know? He's not looking through like the ego. He's looking through like the soul's perspective. Like you never know what will happen. And when you like live in that like reality of just like. You know, nothing's bad or good, like, circumstances, like, nothing's bad or good. You learn not to, like, judge, like, any circumstance. Mm-hmm. You have, like, very, like, interesting circumstances coming to you, positive ones. And, yeah, like, it's just perspective. And it's great to have that perspective. Yeah, like, I've heard several stories of people, like, either they're, they're on their way to work and they're running late. Or something happens and they barely avoid a, 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 an accident or they get in an accident. You know, you never know. You can't, you can't try to put some, 
some misfortune as the universe attacking you. It's just sometimes things happen and we have to be, it's, it's all about mindset. You know, you can get in an auto accident and come out with it. Oh, God hates me. This is terrible. Um, it's a bad omen. But you never know. What if you meet somebody that you were supposed to meet or, you know, whatever it happens, you meet someone at the hospital, you get injured and you fall in love with. Who knows? You know, life is like so mysterious when you really pay attention to how things happen and manifest. It's true. God works in mysterious ways. Uh, one time, as a matter of fact, I was I was in downtown. I had I was walking around. I forgot what happened. I had one of my buddies was actually telling me the story. He said he was walking around and he had taken some acid and he was like tripping and lost in downtown. And then he didn't know what to do. And then he just saw this homeless guy talking. Like he was crazy. This homeless guy was like a schizo or whatever. But he was just like mumbling and talking to himself. And that this my friend went up to him and started talking to him. And he's, he said that these, this hobo guy was like telling him about the secrets of the universe. And like how society is all fucked up. And how everyone thinks he's crazy. But he's not crazy. He just sees things that other people don't see. And he's like, man, that's so fucking crazy. How is it that... That this person talked to me here and now, like, what are the odds? What is the the chances of something like that happening? And I think that kind of happens in our lives when we don't take chances to try something different or go out of our path to um, try something new. You lose a lot of um, experiences that could add to your life, that could um, increase it and make it, I don't know, just more juicier. You know, it's funny you say something about like uh, that hobo had to have that knowledge and whatnot. Um, I went to the gas station, like, when was this? I think this past week. I went to go in there and take piss. And as I was coming out, there was an ATM by like the door. And um, as I was walking out, this homeless guy was over there and he was um, checking out some money or something. And like he was like out of his mind or something like that, and he asked someone for help, and um, uh, he said, "How do I close this or something?" But he was like he was like out of it, but like it had a tab of like how much money he had, and that fool had fourteen thousand dollars, dude. Damn. I don't like automatically my ego was like, man, I don't even got fucking fourteen thousand dollars. <laughs> what the fuck? But I'm like, wait a minute, I have things, you know, I have a place to stay in, yeah. I have a car. He has some furniture, you know, and a TV. This guy, that's probably all he has. You know? <laughs> yeah, his that, total work. Yeah, and I'm just like, wow, that's like perspective right there. It's not just like me looking through the mind like, oh, what about me, you know? Yeah. But automatically had compassion, like understanding that moment of like, you know, something like that could probably piss you off and like kind of like ruin your day. Yeah, you know? yeah. If you let it. But yeah, I was just like, I thought it was crazy. That makes me think about, you know, sometimes I'll be on Instagram and they I follow some like financial advisors and people who like have a shitload of money and teach people how to invest. And I'm like, what the fuck? How these these guys have like millions. They have jets and cars. I'm like, what the fuck? How do they get all this shit? And we're like, what are they really doing to spread positivity or raise consciousness? Because it seems most of them, I mean, they're cool. They're talking about motivation and how to get ahead and work hard. But to them, their end all be all goal is money. You know, they're just trying to gain more materialism, more consume more they're always chasing like that dragon they're always trying to trying to fill their their uh how would you call it spirit like not spirit they're trying to fill, fill their ego with with these things that that think will bring them happiness but it's just like we talked about a couple episodes ago 
when you when you have things and you cling to the materialism like a car or a home or your bank account you're in a chain you're chained to it basically your identity comes from that and if you lose these things what what happens to you what is your personality if you were to lose all these things i saw a post the other day it, it was like a simple sentence it said describe yourself without a title your job your family or your status like who who are you really like what are you about when it when you take away the titles and the material things what are you really about and i i've really meditated on that and i think my thing is truth you know i'm trying to expose all the corruption and show people the truth that's in their face but they're missing it they're oblivious to it so uh with that same thought i want to transfer over to today i was watching the show vikings and i saw this little piece of truth in it that i wanted to show i showed drew earlier and he was like yeah i totally vibe i totally get what you're saying but we're gonna listen to it and then talk about it and how it, it's basically about the new world order so here we go Let me preface it. Um, so what's going on is in the Vikings, um, there's like been wars all over Norway in this country. And there's been different sectors and different lords who fight over land and try to and kill each other. And there's this king that he's kind of the most powerful king, but there's many kingdoms in Norway. And he's trying to like figure out how to bring peace. So he's like, he likes to meditate and shit. So he's sitting right now in this scene, he's sitting in a circle of, of candles meditating. And then these two guys come in to meet him and this is what happens. For many hours, perhaps for many days, I've been meditating upon the sagas, the ancient stories, the histories of our people, thinking especially about the endless small-scale wars between all the many and various kingdoms of our beloved Norway. And it seems to me these endless, fruitless wars are simply ludicrous and do nothing to promote the general interest of our people. Forgive me. But you are as guilty as any other ruler of provoking and starting small-scale wars. For your own advantage, look what you have done here. You speak the truth. But sometimes the real truth is hidden from all of us beyond the accidents of time and place and has to be revealed. And the gods in their infinite wisdom have revealed it to me. <laughs> well, would it be possible for you to explain what the gods have revealed to you? It is time to give up the old ways of acting, the old ways of thinking. It is time for a rebirth, for a new beginning. It is time to elect and anoint a king for all Norway. A king who can unite the people to whom the people can look up to and respect. 
And what better man than you? You're on hindsight. Eldest son of the great Ragnar Lothbrok, who now sits on the right hand of Odin in the halls of the Aesir. What better king to command our poor, war-torn, fractured country? Of course, all the kings, queens, yards, and petty earls would have to be summoned to approve the plan, but once they do, I swear to you, I will relinquish all my kingdoms all my power to the new savior. So, go away and consider my plan. You are both free to do so. But don't take long to consider your verdict. Oh, so much depends on it. So yeah, that's basically the scene that I saw earlier. I was like, damn, this is like some straight up Luciferian propaganda that they're putting on you. And it's hidden in the fact that people think that this is just entertainment. It's just a show on TV to watch after work. But <clears throat> this is the kind of thing that I like to point out, that this is predictive programming that they're putting in the, in the TV to prepare your mind for a certain time. So I actually want to let Drew talk about this because he had a lot to say. Well, basically, the, what I got out of this, this segment... Um, one of the things that it reminded me of was that this concept and symbolism, a belief by uh, Freemasons um, about the nature of Phoenix. And lots of corporations like the military and um, the great seal on the U.S. dollar, um, one of the pictures you see is a phoenix, uh, more specifically a rising phoenix. And I believe in... Uh, one of one of the Olympics, I forgot what year, 2012, the theme actually was the Phoenix. And in my uh, research of, of the New World Order, um, the Phoenix has been one of the symbolisms that I've come to vaguely understand. But basically, uh, the, the rising of the Phoenix, its nature is um, it becomes rebirth stronger again out of the ashes. Um, we could also correlate this to another uh, famous motto by the Freemasons, Ordo Ab Chaos, Order Out of Chaos. Um, and this guy who was talking about the future elect of Norway, one of the words he was using, the phrases he was using was rebirth, uh, right? And so to me, what I got out of that was out of the ashes comes something anew, but we have to destroy the old in order to have to pave way for the new and that's basically the rise of the phoenix i think there was a marvel movie titled rise of the phoenix whether it was it was x-men or something like that but you see the rise of the phoenix symbolism the hunger games yes yeah you see that everywhere and because maybe who knows specifically what the the idea is whether the, the directors, producers are in it, but we all do believe we unite under this fundamental belief that we believe that the entertainment industry is is controlled in in a way. The the themes of movies and and the ideas behind it are are there for a specific purpose, 
you know, so it doesn't doesn't uh, surprise me that Hunger Games, who gross billions and billions of dollars, who a lot of people know about, that they would have that theme, Rise of the Phoenix, because as with Juan and uh, we were all talking about how the occult works and, and how the mind works, psychology and stuff like that, they need the whole idea is for the masses to get familiarized with the concept. And in this concept, or in other cases in other movies, this idea of doing away with the old, what I like to call the original world order, and paving the way for, uh, for the new. Whereas, But in order to do away with the old, there needs to be chaos. Chaos and, you have to destroy the old yes, to create something yes, new. Yes, and then the people will demand a solution, an answer, and look up to the, to the government or people in power, hey, we all need a solution. Uh, so yeah, th- that was one of the other ideas I got. And um, maybe another idea is I haven't, I haven't researched too profoundly into war and stuff like that, but I am very suspicious of slogans like support the troops. Maybe that's um, a so-called faint encouragement to to have people blindly trust in war and stuff like that. But they don't know the real reason behind it. Um, and so what this guy was based with both of these characters, all three of these characters in the scene, what they were talking about, how war isn't for the common interests of people. It's for... Um, individual gain, or more sp- more specifically for the for the elitists, for the powers that be, that does make sense to me. And in order to get people to not question it and to blindly support it, you can use that infamous lo- uh, motto: support the troops, support the troops. Mm-hmm. And many people will follow it and think that um, just go along with this hive mindset idea that hey, support war, support the troops. Thank you for fighting for our freedom. Sometimes the threat, the foreign threat, is in and of itself published or made up by the same people giving the, proposing the security to the threat. Mm-hmm. We can argue 9-11. We can argue other world events that, that raises a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right there where you were saying about the support the troops, you can made me think of that Sam Houston poster that says, I want you to join the U.S. Army. Like, they do a lot of propaganda to yeah. manipulate people to follow their, their nonsense. And another thing you were saying about the senseless wars that don't benefit people. <clears throat> a lot of people don't see it, but we're in World War Three right now. Uh, it's, it's not a war that's fought with guns and, and bombs. It's fought with television and propaganda. They're, they're battling for your mind. Mm-hmm. And with this whole thing, the COVID that's happening, that's what I thought about when I saw this. That this senseless war, this senseless idea of COVID is being used... To it doesn't benefit the people at all. You know they act like they're worried and and worried about our health, but it's just a method of control. And also, what you were saying about <clears throat> how Hollywood uh, presents these ideas, you have to also acknowledge that Hollywood. The term comes from the Holly Tree, which the wizards from the ancient druids who were mag- magicians and wizards, they would make wands out of the Holy Tree. I mean the Holly Tree, which was a special type of tree that had special wood that they believed helped cast spells and uh, to hypnotize people. So now we have Hollywood, the place that casts spells on people and puts people under illusions where they think that what they're seeing on TV, the subliminal mind accepts it and takes it in. So like all of this stuff that they're talking about unifying the world. Mm-hmm. I think that this is demonic inspiration that they put in movies 
to have people accept that idea more easily when the time comes. Like, for example, now the whole world's in chaos and people are like, we just want to be free. We just want to be united. We want peace. So this is the problem, the chaos that they're causing with, with COVID, having people go depressed and go crazy and lose families. And people want a solution. So what's going to be the solution? They're going to implement some type of health chip that they, they say insurance, safety and health. Mm-hmm. But all of this is pushing toward that unification of the whole world. And like this guy says, he will relinquish his power and give it over to this new savior. That's talking about Lucifer straight up. He's talking about there's going to be a time that this guy comes. He's going to be so charismatic mm-hmm. and so popular that the people are going to be like, yes, yes, that's our guy. Put him, put him in power, coach. Give him everything because he's going to save us and, and take us to the new path. But that's Lucifer. It's the wolf in sheep's clothing. He's going to come and say, I have all the solutions. Just follow me and bow to me and I will save you. <clears throat> mm-hmm. But yeah, that's the whole demonic plan. What do you say, Drew? I, I mean, Pete. Uh, man. Um, yeah, I have a question though about like that. I, mean, I, I always think about like like this like end time stuff that's going on and whatnot. And I always like curious, like man, I wonder who that person is gonna be or where they're gonna derive from. You know, um, the Maitreya, the the Antichrist. You were talking about the Maitreya last time, right? That. That's the guy that they think it's going to be the savior. They say he's already oh, born. Oh, you talking about the Jewish? Yeah. Who was that? I'm not sure, but... Man, yeah, that was, that was a minute ago. But, yeah, supposedly, like, the Jews um, picked a messiah or something. They're a messiah. I, I, yeah, I remember reading a little bit. Yeah. About they just picked someone randomly? No, like, he's a rabbi or something, I think. Well, not gonna, that they picked him, but that most... Well, so, yeah, yeah. Or that they'll... They'll have the following. The false messiah, if you will, will have the following of most Jews or something like that. Yeah, that's right. What about you, Chris? I know you love the show. Me and you've been watching it. What do you think about this? What did this make you think of? Have you been seen this episode yet? I don't think I heard. What is this? I know it says season 101. Se- but... No, season six. It's season six. Damn, you're blind, bro. Bitch, it says 601. Yeah, but it's six. I don't know why they put the old one. But season six, episode four. You haven't seen that? I think I have, but like I said, I'm rewatching it right now. So I'm on season four. Okay. All right, but okay, so that was that. And then there was another scene on that same episode that had me thinking because it's, I guess I'll set it up again. What's happening is this lady who was like a shield mating, a warrior, and she had been queen before, but she left all of that and now she's living with some common people basically a, a commune of women and, and children and old people. They're just like settlers living on some land trying to survive. But then there's some guys that come out of nowhere. They're Vikings and they like to uh, pillage and rape and take other people's shit. So they come and they're scoping out the land and they're trying to figure out how to, how to take all these people's food and kill them. But, but this shield mating, the, the lady who used to be a queen she organizes the community and empowers them and tells them we can fight we can fight against this threat so i I just want to point out i like that that she's giving people power and and showing them that they they have the strength inside of them to to oppose any any threat but it also it leads into death because the little kid dies but i'm going to play it here for the guys so they can get a little idea of what's happening and then we'll also talk about this So the Vikings are coming in and they're trying to break open the door to the village.
So, I mean, I know you're only listening to what's happening, but what happened is the invaders came and the community was able to fight off the threat and they called off the attack and they're running away. And there's a little kid who had hidden. He was hiding in some bushes. And then this is what happens. This is the one with dialogue, so you could probably get a better understanding. Basically, what happened is they they successfully fought off the invaders and the little boy comes out from the bushes and he's like playing with this sword he found on the ground. And he's saying, look at me, look at me, just playing around. And then one of the invaders sees it and he like comes back quickly and kills the little boy or he's, he's, he cuts him with his sword and the little boy's dying. And you heard all that that happened. And when I was watching this, it made me think of like just how people have used myths and like religion to sort of put a band-aid on death it kind of helps ease the idea of death because i don't know in my head i'm always juggling between the idea is is there really an afterlife what happens after we die and i feel like sometimes religion is just used as a way to maybe manipulate people or make them feel better when they're close to death because who knows what really happens here, she's talking about the myth that they believe in the Vikings. They believe that when they die, if you die in war and battle, you get to go to their heaven. And in their heaven, Valhalla, this is where all the great warriors and Vikings go. <clears throat> and they fight each other in the day and, and kill each other. But then at night, they have supper together. And they do that every day. Basically, that's what their heaven is. 
their heaven is all the great warriors kill each other and to them it's fun and it's great but then they come together and eat together so it's very strange to me because when i was younger i studied a bunch of different religions and their ideas and what they believe in and it's consistent with they always talk about an afterlife or something happening after you know it may be a somewhat of a different story but everyone tries to put this idea out there that there is a life after and i don't know i've really looked and and researched about that, but what do you think, Drew? What do you think about life after death? Well, I mean, if it's one thing I'm sure of, I, I do believe that, that that we live, that we'll be conscious, uh, forever. Uh, our spirit or our souls, um, is infinite. Our bodies, event, you know, it'll die off just like the planet, because our bodies, along with the planet, is finite. But our soul or our spirit, I don't have a lot of in-depth research about the difference between the two. But I know that spirit consciousness that we are, it does go on to live forever. But, I mean, I stifle to assume reincarnation and, 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 other, and other explanations about life after death. I stifle to believe in those because, well, as we all believe, guys, you know, research, something concrete connect dots and so forth um for example i i do know in christianity it's uh, christians christ followers do believe that through the, the blood that jesus christ shed on the cross through them being redeemed by his blood and being born again they have eternal life but satanists and luciferians agnostics and those in the kabbalah and freemasons and these many sub versions of Lucifer or, or the Eye of Ra or Horus um, or Osiris they believe that through trans they believe that through the blood of um, through fresh blood and fresh blood meaning the, the blood of babies of, 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 of little kids through, through that blood they could obtain uh, eternal life. Some might dispute that. You see a lot of celebrities on interviews who joke about they look so young at a really old age, at like 50, 55, and then the interviewer asks, like Ellen DeGeneres would ask, why do you look so young? Then they jokingly say, oh, it's because of uh, baby blood. I put baby blood on my face. We got Kim Kardashian who came out with a, a facial for the face. It was so uh, called vampire blood. Um, in so many cases, like more than a dozen. Yes. Then we have Dwayne uh, The Rock Johnson on SNL talking about a child molestation robot skit, but it was made in a very humorous way. Um, and we got Johnny Depp talking about how, how, how he believes in vampirism. And if you go back to, to the movie Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, again, guys, we're just connecting dots. This is what we do in this podcast. We think and we theorize, but we can't all come to a final conclusion because we're all young. There's so many research to do out there, but we just like to connect dots. And even in that movie Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, um, uh, uh, there was a scene where the room was pink and he was talking about adrenochrome, this drug, supposedly, and about... Um, uh, and if you look up adrenochrome, um, that's the blood of, of, of babies, of, of, of young kids. 
basically. And once it's iodized, it turns into the color pink. And you have so many other instances and, and examples like that where a lot of celebrities admit their acknowledgement for, for Aleister Crowley. David Bowie, a lot of Ozzy Osbourne, a lot of songs are written about Aleister Crowley. And Aleister Crowley was the one guy that wrote in a few of his books about the blood of babies, about how through that you'll, you'll live forever. Look it up on the internet, you'll see what I'm talking about. And a lot of celebrities reference Aleister Crowley in their songs and in their lyrics. And he was one of the main occultists. Uh, 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 you know, he was the guy that, that, that everybody... Revered. Revered, exactly. So you have... Satanists and Luciferians believe that through, through the blood of, of these uh, children and through transhumanism, they're emerging themselves with robots, a.k.a. that so-called age of singularity, and through transhumanism, they'll live forever. But Christians believe, hey, that's the lie that the serpent is telling them, you'll be as gods. And, and I suppose in like the New Age religion, they believe in, in reincarnation, Buddhists and, and Hinduism, they believe in something similar. So uh, again, guys, um, we're not saying nobody's right or wrong, but in this podcast, we all like to connect dots and research and see where things add up, where they don't add up or where they make sense or might not make sense. Well, to give credence to what you were saying, actually, about the blood keeping you younger, mm -hmm. there's studies coming out by major scientists and yeah, schools yeah. saying that, yes, uh, blood from young lab rat. They've done studies where they take blood from a young lab rat and they put it in an old lab rat and the, the old lab rat starts uh, getting younger and it starts looking healthier. And this idea has existed for a lot of from a long time. You know, you can even kind of say it's kind of kind of reflected and also in christianity you know god says drink my blood and you will live forever mm -hmm. but um yeah this theme runs across a lot of um societies that try to like drew says try to extend their life and i don't know if this has any correlation to it but when i was younger i would have i would get really angry i had like anger problems and i would bite the inside of my cheek when i got mad and i would bleed i would cut myself and I don't know if that has anything to do because now I, I look very young. I'm 32, but everybody always thinks that I'm young. And if I shave, I will actually get ID'd. And I don't know if that has to do with anything that when I was little, I was drinking my own blood constantly because I was biting my, my cheek. And I don't know if any scientist wants to do any research on that, but maybe that has something to do with it. And this is what a bunch of the celebrities do who look young. You know, they a lot of them, like Drew says, there's videos out there if you go look. Use DuckDuckGo. Don't search through YouTube or through Google because you won't get any good results. But use DuckDuckGo and research celebrities drinking blood or look up. Um, it's called. There's a ritual they do where they mock. They pretend they're eating a human. It's like a cake, but it looks like a human. And these celebrities meet up and like do it looks these. Looks like a cake. Yeah, it's a cake. It's a cake, but it's made to look like a human. And they all eat this cake. So it's symbolizing that they're eating a person. That's, that's, that's not a coincidence, bro. Because in Aleister Crowley, that, that was the Eucharistic prayer he was talking about called the Cake of Light. Oh. And in that section, Cake of Light, he, he wrote about fresh blood and stuff. So, man, you said that. And I'm like, hey, that dot did connect. I mean, mm -hmm. that's not a coincidence. He called it the Cake of Light, mm -hmm. where you drink fresh blood. Yeah, I just remember it. it's called Spirit Cooking. Look up Spirit Cooking and Marina Abramovich. Yes, yes. She's this like 
super popular celebrity in LA. Like all the celebrities know her. She's pictures with Kanye West, Kim Kardashian, all the major people that you've seen on TV. This lady has worked with, and she's like a witch. She she says it publicly. I'm a witch, and I do these rituals to like extend my life or to gain energy and to create uh, these art pieces that I make. Because she's an artist, mm-hmm. but like she'll draw with blood and semen. She has this thing where she'll mix paint human blood and human semen and paint with that and she calls it art but this is the kind of sick shit that people are into that that they do in in hollywood and that these celebrities are after and i believe that this is part of the luciferian um, agenda that he puts out that he tells people to do all these crazy insane dark twisted things and he gives them power and and, and status and money and all you have to do is defile God and, and eat people and, and fuck little kids and drink their blood and you'll get this power and this wealth. But how much more obvious? Just saying things like this makes someone seem like they're crazy or have lost it. But this is what is happening in the real world. And people have been indoctrinated in a way that when you say that, they're like, you're fucking crazy. But it's been going on for years. In the past, they would sacrifice babies to Moloch. They would burn babies alive. The the kings and queens that would do this put the people together in the center square, and they would murder people, sacrificing them, saying that this is for the gods, that this is for us to like move forward and to bring uh, prosperity into the community. But this is just that dark evil shit that that Lucifer pushes. And uh, and what's crazy is in their minds, in their heads, they don't think it's dark and crazy. They think, hey, we're doing magic. We learned some secrets about life. The very essence of blood does this. Or, I, I mean, for all we know, what they can be practicing to them, it's not crazy. It's a ritual to enhance their consciousness or enhance their life mm-hmm. some way, strike form. But to us, who are more grounded and realistic, that's like, hey, you know, there's a, a fine balance. I mean, there's a balance. There's the, the, the boundaries of morality that you can't mm-hmm. cross over. Mm-hmm. Let's you ensnare your soul and cause scars and stuff. And I mean, I mean, just, I don't know, the thought of us dying and not having to answer for our life, for what we did on Earth, the things that, that we got away from, from the cops, from other, the thought of us dying and that just, it's a get out of jail free card. To me, that's just a, that's, it sounds barbaric. I think it went some way straight before him to who or to what. We have to do answer. We have to answer for what we did on this earth. Even the greatest, I think the, one of the greatest ancient societies, the, great, the Egyptians from the past, and every ancient culture for that, they all believed in morality. And especially in the Egyptians, they had this idea called uh, the wane of the heart. That when you died, you were, you were put in front of these gods that they took your heart and weighed it against this feather, which was pure and clean, and they measured your heart, how your life, Damn. how your life had, uh, how you reflected your life and how it was and the positivity you brought. And if it was a good heart, it, it was balanced with this feather that was pure. So you got to go into the afterlife. But if it wasn't, you had you had to go through these series of like obstacles. Like you had to run through a river of crocodiles and like try to avert spears, like these crazy, like kind of like the. What's that? The Squid Games, I guess, something like that. Some type of, you have to run through these obstacles to get to to the afterlife. But that's what they're saying that they weigh the heart. So, back in the day, this civilization was their consciousness was so high that 
they were past money and stuff. What they were really looking and yearning for was morality, how to really purify yourself and become like a higher consciousness and be more attuned to the gods and to nature. And we lost all this as we've modernized, we've pushed all that away, made it seem like myths and stories mm-hmm. and, and these things that people really lived off of. We've thrown them away, basically. We just want to live here fast now, Netflix and just work. And all of that has been lost. People are not very spiritual anymore. But the beautiful thing is that once you get into this community of spreading truth and figuring out what's really going on, like I always say, if you go far enough down the rabbit hole, you you discover spirituality and that all of this is spiritual warfare. But Well, you could discover spirituality in a different way, too. Yeah, you know, you yeah. don't have to go through research. You know. True, true. There's many. What other There's, methods do you think there is to, to get to that source? Just like, just being, you know, like he says, bro, like, you know, here... Yeah, I like a, a bunch of uh, artists and celebrities. Well, I guess successful people. They like to put the idea that um, you can do it through being in nature or uh, when when um, athletes play sports, they say they get in this state of flow where they're just like hitting every shot, every basket, like really in the zone. And it, it comes from that, from letting go of... of um, your ego and just like operating from the soul and being here now, not worrying, but knowing that that you have the skill to do what you need to do. But um, I guess we're kind of starting to wind again, wind down again. We're gonna start smoking and we're gonna watch what Drew does. We'll let him do his thing. But um, anything else you want to talk about, Pete? Uh, man, I was gonna say, oh no, but you said something about nature, and it got me thinking about this time. I took a um, a little microdose with a buddy out in the park, and man, it was sunshiny. Acid mushrooms. A mushroom, dude. It was, dude. It was a strain called uh, Jedi Mindfuck, dude. Oh, it was so good. It was real good. Like you, you saw like little visuals, like like practicals, like popping up when like um. During the during, or during my peak of my trip, but you were tripping. That's not microdosing when you're tripping. Yeah, well, yeah. You he, took too much. Yeah, he he kind of gave me like, well, he, he he gave me a microdose, but he did it the lemon tech way. Yeah. The lemon tech. Way oh yeah, like, that's way powerful. Explain what is the yeah, lemon tech with mushrooms. The lemon tech is like when you um, grind up the mushrooms, and then you soak it in some lemon juice, and then yeah. you strain Great. it out. Yeah, and then you, you can. I I never usually eat it, so like I kind of just. Throw it away. I don't know if you're supposed no, to. No, I like eating it. I think it's good for you to eat mm-hmm. it, the whole mushroom. But does, doesn't the whole thing like get strained out, right? Like, yeah, but it's there's some in there. And I think there's actually something to the flesh of mushroom that's good for you. Because of the mycelium that's you, in it and shit. Um, okay. What is that? That, that's what it's ma- makes mushrooms mycelium it's basically the internet of the of nature under the under the ground all the plants are connected that tree yeah, yeah. in my front yard is talking to the tree in my backyard through the mycelium and under the ground yeah yeah i've seen that on that fungi um documentary yeah dude that was a good one um but yeah we i had a trip out there dude it was nice and um me and my buddy were just like conversing while we we're fucking high on mushrooms was, anything like real that stuck with you that night um, he was telling me some stuff about, he's like, dude, cause I was, I was going through some stuff and he's like, man, you just need to go out there and be some kind to some people. That's all you got to do or just like talk to someone and you'll feel way better. And I'm like, you know what that did, you know, made me feel pretty better when I would do that. Cause I would run into people and they were just like, tell me their problems. And then, like for them, I guess it was like a relief and like, 
I kind of just re- would reassure them and try to be optimistic or give them like a positive input depending on the situation. And but ultimately they would leave like like kind of uplifted, you know. And like I said before, when you like whatever you give out or like genuinely from the heart, um, it always returns back to you like in double. And when you're not happy, that's like even though it's like it's the hardest time not to be kind to people, um, you it will really make you feel better if you're kind to people because you'll that joy will start coming back to you because mm-hmm. that's who you're supposed to be. You're supposed to be um, serve you're, others. Yeah, you you're, you're supposed to show that soul presence of yourself instead mm-hmm. of that, like that domino effect happens. Yeah. People start doing that and you know. So, so Chris is on his phone. He must be looking up something very important. Chris, what, what, what is it that we're... Yeah, it's this uh, website called uh, xvideos.com. Oh, yeah. What, which one? Who are we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you could find me on there. Just type in uh, Daddy Yankee. Oh, yeah. Last time when I was to go do my appearance, I, I went on the White Rabbit podcast. I asked the guys, is there anything you want me to bring up? Chris actually said that he wants me to put it out there that he's looking for a sugar mama. So if anyone's interested... 9 to 5, Monday through Friday. If, if anyone's interested in being a sugar mama to a daddy <clears throat> Yankee looking as Mexican, um, send us an email at bricksinthewallpodcast at gmail and we'll, we'll set you up. We have an application form, um, but he, that's what he really wants in life. Somebody to... To nurture me. To nurture him and, oh, yeah. and, and bring him up with that good loving. But anyways... Uh, I like tonight's episode, guys. It sucks that it was rainy, but again, the plants got the, the water that they needed. And, and well, we're here. We should talk about what we did today. You know how we did yesterday? Just kind of like, since it was a different kind of day today, you know, raining and whatnot. Well, go ahead. We got five minutes, four minutes. Four minutes. What do you want to talk about? Well, I was saying like, bro, like today was fucking ass, you know, like I deliver packages, bro. Oh, yeah, yeah. fucking yeah. rain all day today. Just getting, but the crazy part is, like, after a while, I just didn't feel it. Yeah, yeah. So, Chris was out driving today, truck driving, and it was raining hard as fuck today. Hard as fuck. And I asked him, and he called me, I called him to see what he was doing, and I said, and I asked him if he was working, and I said, and he said, yeah, I'm getting wet. I was like, you're not wearing a, a poncho or anything? He's like, nah, bro, I'm just fucking getting wet. And that's cool. That's kind of like one of those experiences just to go in it. Like, fuck it, I'm going to get well, wet anyways. We, we used to be, our kids, you know, we used to all play in the rain, you know? Mm-hmm. So, it was just like, like I said, I still feel like I'm a kid. That's it cool. just it felt good, you know? Yeah, that's cool. That's kind of like that free spirit type of thinking. Yeah, that's tight. I like that. Hey, bro, have you ever heard about how it's not legal to collect rainwater? Oh, yeah, that's some bullshit, right? Have, have you ever heard about that? Yeah, I think that? I heard about Yeah, so you can't, if it rains, you cannot collect that no, water. But supposedly that water is bad, into it, So well, we don't know yet. Supposedly what the government is trying to regulate this is because they care about your health and they don't want you to, like, drink bad water or toxify your land, your your lawn. But this is just one of those pushes again to like manipulate and control people and keep them dependent on the government and the resources of the water. So imagine you can't collect your own rainwater to 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 feed like to have water in case of an emergency. What kind of bullshit is that? I'm still gonna do it. But honestly, they won't. They won't find out. Yeah, they won't find out. And isn't like seventy percent of U.S. water supply fluoridated? Oh yeah, yeah. I think I read it was around that number. Oh yeah, the fluoride. What does the fluoride do? Um, so in the the Nazis, what I read is the Nazis in the 1940s, uh, they 
<laughs> they were doing experiments to see how do they make the people docile and be able to control them. And they figured out that if they put fluoride in the water, it makes the people easier to control. It kind of depresses them. It makes them into this dumbed down state. And that so now this is what they're doing all across the world. They fluoridate the water to calcify your, your pineal gland, your third eye, your, to, to have that power of intuition. They, they destroy it by fluoridating the water and they make you dumb and docile. But see, I don't know. When you, th- when you talk about like trying to be pure and... Uh, so, uh, also in our, in our toothpaste. But too. it's because then you start... Have you read into microplastics and how it's in everything? Micro, uh, Every, you're consuming microplastics through your plastic, food and through water. Microplastic. Yeah, it's little pieces of plastic that you can't filter or clean through, through any kind of process. I think Ruffle was telling me yesterday that Coke and like Sprite, like they found like metal in their, their oh, drinks. I wouldn't be surprised. Like when you're talking about the plastic, I was like, "Damn, Rafa was just talking about." Yeah, that. we're being poisoned through all kinds of ways, guys. And, but I uh, feel good, you know. Yeah, yeah, we're still alive. I think we're gonna become stronger. We're gonna just resist all that shit and transform into fifth dimensional bodies or something. I don't know. But anyways, it was good talking to you guys. I hope you like what what y'all listening to. If not, y'all can fuck off. But um, well, we love you, <laughs> and uh, we'll see you next time. Let it. Later. Peace.